Welcome to Wild Tater, the Food Forest Podcast. I'm Charles Hathaway. Today we're going to talk about the broadleaf cattail, sometimes called the common cattail, Typha latifolia. Now, cattail is one of those incredibly versatile food forest items, with one exception. They do need a lot of water. And these are a great thing to include in your system if you have some kind of pond or a leaky space somewhere that the ground is just saturated. I've seen these things grow underwater um, where they're two or three feet underwater before they actually kind of you know, grow themselves out of the water. And uh, from there they can grow, you know, eight to ten feet tall, but uh, they really like water, and which is cool because, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's start with some of the basics. Broadleaf cattail is cold hardy to zone three, so it goes from three to ten, but that means it can, can withstand cold down to negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. It is particularly versatile in the pH of the soil. Um, there have been accounts of it um, growing in 3.5 soil all the way up to 9.2 soil. So basically, it as long as anything grows in that soil, it doesn't care what kind of soil it's in, at least from pH standpoint. But it will grow in sandy, silty, loam, or clay. And then it just comes down to the water. It needs lots of water. It prefers to be slightly immersed in water, you know, the, a couple inches of water, um, something like that, and then it will just thrive beyond that. Its blooming season is mid to late summer, which will be useful to know uh, if you're harvesting the pollen, which we'll talk about. Um, as for the harvest season, if you're not harvesting the pollen, you can do it any time for the roots, which is the other most common thing to harvest, and those can be harvested anytime, but they are best. They're at their point of richest starch in late fall going through winter in, you know, all the way up till early, early spring. So if you're harvesting the roots, that is the ideal time to do it. But again, you can do it anytime. The size, when it gets mature, is 8 to 9 feet tall and wide. I've seen them shorter than that, you know, 3 to, to 6 feet tall commonly as well, but um, 8 to 9 feet tall is not uncommon, and given an endless ground to work with, um, that's likely to be their height. It's, it's when they have a short pod or a short pond with a pond liner underneath that's, that's going to stunt them a little bit, no big deal. They'll just send out more rhizomes, those root uh, structures, and continue to grow that way. So it won't bother them. As for sun needs, they do prefer full sun, but can do part shade as well. If they could choose their ideal habitat, it would probably be a marshy grassland or a pond edge, anywhere with a like a fish habitat because of the nutrients in the water from the fish. Um, the average lifespan of a single plant is about three years. But because they send out rhizomes so readily, they're constantly creating new plants. For myself, I had several years ago 
a pot. It was kind of like, you know, a, the size of a, a Walmart tree pot. I just threw some dirt in there and I sprinkled seed um, and, and sat it in the pond. So it was just barely sticking out of the pond. Um, and it grew great that first year. And in the second year, it went bonkers. And it just filled the pot with with cattails and then burst out of the pot to the point where you go out to my pond now there is a pot somewhere in there but it's completely surrounded by cattails way beyond the pot i don't know exactly what kind of medium they're growing in other than uh, you know this is this is a uh, jacuzzi that has been you know, sealed the edges, you know, the holes and so forth, and filled with water. That's what kind of pond I'm talking about. And they are growing in there solidly. I, I reach down in there and try to pull them up, and they're solid in there. I think I think they've gotten hold of some of the rocks and things that I put in the base of it and just wrapped around them and, and together against each other so that they've got this incredible network. Uh, and I will never starve for cattails ever again I think because of it <laughs> and like I said the way I got them there in the first place was by seed I went you know to one of the local wild ponds brought home one of those little corn dogs and just kind of twisted it until it popped all the puff out and just kind of spread it around the pond and and in the pot and so forth and and they went bonkers in the, in the pot and have been coming up all over the place ever since so that's how you get it started, or that's one way to get it started. An easier way to get it started would be with one of those rhizomes. If you have, if you know somebody that has cattails and they're willing to let you pull one out, you know, kind of basically take a young one or something and kind of, you know, work it out and cut it from its mother rhizome, you'll have this nice chunky root piece and uh, just take that and go plant it where you need it and it will just take over from there, which is great because cattails are awesome. And let me tell you why. First off, uh, for ecologically they're great because they are water purifiers. They will, if you put it in kind of a polluted area that's got some maybe heavy metals, it's got uh, uh, such as pesticides, herbicides, um, maybe some over fertilized area something to that effect you plant cattails in there it will clean up that water they they're a bioaccumulator whatever they get out of that soil they will suck up into their leaves and everything else now the problem with that is if you use it for cleaning the water don't eat them because again it accumulated all those chemicals and so forth into the leaves and so forth with all the nutrients that they pick up out of the water and the soil and so forth. So if you're using them to clean, then, you know, to purify water, then don't eat them. If it is already a fairly pure, clean water source, you know, from a stream, from your own hose, from, you know, your own uh, um, pond, something like that, and you're not using, you know, fertilizer sprays and so forth, pesticides, then they're fabulous for eating. And, and let me give you some examples of what you do with these. So first off, the, the um, 
the way it really shines is the root. Okay, there's other lots of things you can do with different parts of it. The root is probably the most widely used by indigenous peoples, Native Americans, and other other people. That's probably the thing they use the most for food. And part of that is because you can just take it, cut it as you need to, and then boil it like a potato. Eat it like a potato. Now, the fun thing about this is if you kind of get a feel for how to do this, and I've not done it myself, so I'm excited to try it at some point with my cattails, you can get sugar out of them. They are sweet enough that you can use them where they're boiling, you know, them in water and then, you know, boiling down that water or something to that effect. I'm not exactly sure what the best method for it is, but they're rather sweet. And so um, these roots can be used to make a sweetener. And uh, again, I'm excited to try that. And if anybody's tried that, please let me know how it goes and, and what you did. But um, aside from that, they can, you know, like I said, they can be prepared like a potato, used as a sweetener. They can also be dried and ground into flour, which is a very good protein-rich flour. And, and like I said, kind of sweet as well. So basically when it comes to the cattail, the root is kind of the star. But there are other things that are actually more commonly used in today's world simply because we're not as familiar with eating cattail. Um, for example, you can eat the young stalks, so that part that's shooting up the middle, you can take that up until it's about 18 inches tall. Um, anytime before that, it is it can be eaten raw or cooked and eaten like asparagus. In fact, some have, have nicknamed it Kasak asparagus because of its... Uh, the familiarity to asparagus um, in flavor and so forth. And um, some have described the flavor of both this and the root as more of like a cucumberish kind of a flavor. So I'm kind of picturing it somewhere in there. Probably the most common way of eating a cattail is the uh, flower head before it is ripe, before it is mature. Um, you take that flower head, it's looking like a corn dog, but it's not ripe yet. You want to get it well before it's ripe. And either raw or cooked, some say it tastes like sweet corn. I've heard mixed reviews on how that tastes. But uh, this cattail corn, if you will, is often used in a soup. Now the seeds can also be eaten. So this would be after the uh, pollination time. Um, but the problem with the seeds is that if you've ever played with a cattail corn dog, if you will, you know that as soon as you kind of peel off that outer thick layer, which is the seeds, you know that you're, you suddenly have this explosive poof of fluff underneath it, which is what the plant itself uses to, to extend its seeds out in the wind and so forth. And, and so it's not all that practical harvesting the seed, but if you can manage it, and if you find a good way to do it, it's often eaten either raw, ground into flour, or even made into oil. And 
in this flour state, it's often used to make cake or bread. Now, I don't know of the sweetness of the seeds. I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen much, but I have heard that it has kind of a nutty flavor. Also, the pollen, before it goes to seed, but when the pollen is at its fullest, can be harvested and then added into flour that you use to make bread or cake. Uh, one of the reasons people do this is because it's a very high-protein uh, pollen, and so it's often added to other things such as flour. And that is easily harvested by simply taking a bucket or something and kind of tapping the, uh, the, that head, that corn dog head, into the bucket, maybe taking a brush and kind of lightly brushing it across to uh, knock it out. And, and it will, it will replenish that pollen. It, it has that built-in, you know, uh, pushing pollen out as pollen is taken. It's kind of a way of, of telling the bees, yes, do more, take more, you know, get all over yourself, <laughs> you know. And uh, as long as you're not allergic to cattail pollen, that could be a great way to go. Anyway, um, so if you have not looked into getting cattail for a wet area of your food forest, I highly recommend it. So many food options and also for its ecological use for purifying water. So thanks again for listening.